Join with me for the next few minutes as I leave with you a message that the Lord has laid in my heart. Today I want to continue our mini-series on exposing what I've called certain false gospels. Many false gospels sadly are very prevalent throughout the English-speaking world in the 21st century. The one that I want to consider today I've entitled The Seeker-Sensitive Gospel. The Seeker-Sensitive Gospel is a gospel that's promoted by a man called Rick Warren in Orange County State, California, United States of America. And Rick Warren relies heavily on a certain technique from a certain marketing guru. He came up with this idea of wanting to have a successful church. So what he did was he sent out a circular letter with a questionnaire around the inhabitants of Orange County. Basically, he was treating them as consumers. He was treating the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the gospel, and the church of Jesus Christ, like a supermarket, with goods to be bought and traded. In this questionnaire, he was asking the people, what's your taste in music? What Bible version would you like to use? What time would you like to worship at? What particular style of dress code would you adhere to? What type of preaching style do you like? What, what about the content of the message? Rick Warren, instead of course uh, preaching a message of sin and repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, Rick Warren used the basis of this survey to bring people together. Notice the basis of the survey brought the people together, not the scriptures of truth, not the Savior himself. You see, there's a difference between a seeker-sensitive gospel and a Savior-centered gospel or a scripture-centered gospel. Rick Warren was very upfront. He told the people that he would not be preaching on a biblical definition of sin. He wouldn't be preaching on the subject of hell or eternal damnation. That he wouldn't be preaching the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ primarily. What would he be preaching? He would be preaching 10 tips, 10 principles of how to have a successful and happy marriage. Uh, 10 ways on how to be a good parent. He'd be preaching a message to young people how to be good kids, how to be uh, good citizens. The message, of course, would include a call to end global poverty. It would come up with ways and techniques of fighting AIDS. It would also include um, other things uh, like a call to the end of injustices in the world. Now, these things may have a place, but I want to tell you that that is not the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is not a self-improvement scheme. Uh, Rick Warren, of course, uh, setting aside the biblical definition of sin, 
Rick Warren, of course, refusing to preach a message of holiness, a message of separation from worldliness. He forgot the scripture that says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And it's important that you realize and sense the difference. You see, the gospel is not a self-improvement scheme. It's not a self-help scheme. It's not about building up your self-esteem. It's not even building up or boosting your self-confidence. And that's my problem with the seeker-sensitive gospel. That's at the heart. It's the survey that brought people together, not the scriptures of truth, not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you this day that the seeker-sensitive gospel has really a false god a false Christ. It's energized by a false spirit. It's certainly not led of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not centered in the personal work of Jesus Christ. It is not the living and the true God as revealed in the scriptures. A God is creator, a God who deals providentially with the children of men, a God who is absolutely sovereign in the world affairs and absolutely sovereign in relation to salvation. The problem, of course, with Rick Warren and his ideology and his mindset using this technique from this certain marketing guru is he's treating the people like consumers. He's treating God's truth like a product that can be set to the one side, that can be ignored or rejected according to a person's taste. Rick Warren, of course, that believes that man is not totally depraved, that he's only generally depraved, and he has a spark of good in him, and that all men are basically good. And that's why, of course, he's calling now for the world religions to unite together. But, but that call for unity is, of course, a false unity. Let, let me contrast this so-called celebrity preacher, uh, along with many others, in relation to a story that's told about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. There, there's a man called P.T. Barnum. He was a circus owner in Spurgeon's day. He sent a note to Charles Spurgeon. He invited him to come to his circus. He said to him, I promise you an audience of at least 10,000 people. Imagine that, 10,000 people that you can preach the word of God to. Some of them may get saved. And of course, you would think, well, that's a brilliant opportunity. He even said to Spurgeon, if you come, I will promise to pay you the sum of 1,000 pounds. And you would say to yourself, and fantastic, the celebrity preachers of today, like Rick Warren and many others, they would have jumped at the opportunity and they would have been there. But not Spurgeon. This is what Spurgeon said. Thank you very much for your invitation. You will find my response in Acts 13, verse 10. It reads as follows. Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? You see, the church is not a circus. The church is not a supermarket. People cannot be treated as mere consumers who are coming in to buy something according to their taste or according to the fancy. God's truth cannot be presented in this way. Let me share another illustration. Suppose I've got an 18-year-old daughter and it's her 18th birthday. We're having a discussion at home and I say to her daughter, why don't you invite some of your classmates over to the house? We'll have some music. We'll play some party games. I'll even buy a cake. How many of them do you think will come? What would her response be? A typical teenager would be two or three, Dad. 
Suppose I change that and say to her, well, daughter, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll send a message and invite every one of your classmates for a week's all-expense-paid trip to Disneyland Paris. How many of them do you think will come now? You could see a change in her face. You could see a smile. She was bethinking and saying out loud, probably all of them, Dad. All 26 in the class. Wonderful. But then I ask her another question, a very important question. Daughter, dear, how many of them would actually come to Disneyland Paris just to celebrate your birthday? All of them? Some of them? Or perhaps just one or two? You see, it's a question about a mindset. Why do you come to church? Why do you visit the house of God on the Sabbath? Is it to worship God? Is it to fill your mind with the notion and the thought of Jesus Christ? You see, that's very important. Because it's not a matter about being seeker-sensitive. It's saviour-sensitive. It's coming to the house of God to um, fill your heart and mind and to discover that Jesus Christ has accomplished the work on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is to discover that Jesus Christ is alive, living now in the power of an endless life, because he said from the tomb, he is risen. It's a message about the table, this do in remembrance of me. It's a message from the throne room, thou art worthy. And oh, if we could sense how worthy Christ is and fill our hearts and minds with thoughts about his person and work in every aspect of his true humanity and essential deity, then we would fall down and worship him. Then, then we would want to live for him. You see, the Christian life is about um, being found in Christ. The message is repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message from God. And the message, of course, is that we live for Christ through the strength of Christ, not in our own power or our own ability, according to our own tastes or wisdom or, or notion. It's about what he has revealed in the scriptures. And it's coming to that conviction and sharing that sentiment that C.T. Studd had. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. It's not about a self-improvement scheme. It's not about self-importance, self-esteem, self-confidence. It's all about the Saviour. It's all about coming to worship him, to say with the angels and the redeemed in heaven, Thou art worthy. So I call upon you, you who are following this seeker-sensitive mindset. I, I, I say to you, th this is a false gospel message. At its heart, it's got a false God, not the God of the Bible. At its heart, it's energized by a false spirit, not the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because it's not a Christ-centered message. It's not Savior-centered. It's seeker-sensitive. It's all to do with self. And I totally reject it. And I urge you to reject it too. The Lord bless you. And thank you for listening.